Welcome to the Strand Baptist Church podcast. New episodes will be made available every weekday for the full duration of the lockdown here in South Africa. For more information, please visit our website at www.strandbaptist.org.za. Thank you for joining us and welcome. Good morning to you all. I trust that you are keeping warm in this very, very cold weather. As I ponder the topic of church history and and the conversations I've had related to church history, I I think that for those who know anything about church history or are acquainted with the topic, it seems to me that the knowledge seems to go from the 1st century up until the 5th, and then there is a massive hole up until the Reformation. And so I hope to be of some help in shedding a bit of light on that period which so many of us uh, lack knowledge. So today we'll cover the 6th century and we'll look at a few events in the 6th century. Now the 6th century witnessed renewed greatness for the Roman Empire under the reign of Justinian the first. And he reigned from 527 to 565. And he restored large parts of the empire lost to the barbarians in North Africa and Italy. His codification of Roman law became the foundation of legal systems in many European countries. Justinian also built many churches, including including what many have called the greatest church built in Constantinople, called the Holy Wisdom Basilica in Constantinople, or maybe you know it as the Hagia Sophia. He was also a defender of orthodoxy, and Justinian dealt a blow to paganism by closing the schools of the philosophers in Athens, persecuted the Montanus as heretics, and sought to reconcile the Monophysites to the orthodox faith. Now, another interesting event in the 6th century is the conversion of Scotland. By the standards of Europe, Scotland was regarded as a barbaric and uncivilized land. And this area was controlled by four warring tribes. First there were the Picts, or the Painted Ones. Then there were the Angles. Then there were the Britons. And there finally, there were also the Scots, who originally came from Ireland, invading Scotland at the beginning of the 6th century. And this country, Scotland, was characterized by total paganism and was in desperate need of the power of God's gospel. And it soon came to Scotland through the tireless work of two individuals. One of them was named Ninian. And most scholars believe that he lived in the 6th century and laboured in southwest Scotland in the area of Whithorn. Living in obscurity, Ninian gathered a small number of men around him and created a monastic community. And by replicating this little community, he sought to evangelize the Picts or the Painted Ones, and he accomplished his task with considerable success. And this pattern of planting Christians where no Christian witness existed was pioneered by Ninian and popularized by Columba, 
an Irish monastic from the region of Donegal. Columba came to the little island of Lona off the west coast of Scotland, and there he established a small monastery. And this group devoted themselves to prayer, to the study of scripture, and to providing for one another's physical needs. And they eventually grew into a community of well over a hundred. From Lona, Columba began his challenging task of evangelizing the rest of Scotland. And so cell groups of disciples were planted throughout different parts of the country, waging spiritual warfare with paganism and demonstrating what it meant to live, to live out the gospel in community and to live as the redeemed people of God. Now, by the witness of Ninian, Columba, and other lesser-known individuals, many of the diverse peoples of Scotland came to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. And two things stand out about these men. To historians, Ninian is an obscure figure with little to no background or claim to fame. And perhaps the only reason why his name endures is his ministry to the Picts. As Joel Beakey says, faithful service is often unnoticed by men, but it never remains unnoticed by God. And then another important lesson we learn from both Ninian and Columba is that the power of the gospel is demonstrated not only through preaching and teaching, but through the transformed Christian community. I think this is something really important for us to grasp. Yes, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. But there is something special about a transformed Christian community, the holy people of God, this redeemed people, living out what it means to be God's people. In the pattern of the New Testament, there were cell groups, as it were, that went out to be the local church in order to demonstrate Christ's grace to transform lives. And though there are uh, various theological points where Ninian and Columba strayed from Scripture, many churches and denominations today can learn from them that grace-filled interaction between Christians will draw unbelievers to see that there is something supernaturally wonderful about the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Just think of the words of Jesus where he says, By this you all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Dear friends, brothers and sisters, how can we expect the world to display godliness where in the church we don't? Or how can we expect the world to rid themselves of idols? where we preciously hold on to those same idols in the church, whether it's in the the form of um, greed and corruption and self, the idol of self. You see, there is something so amazing and so special about God's people living as a contrast community, a a community that shows the world what it means to, to live. In the words of Ephesians 2, as if there were no Greek and, and no Jew, living as one people under the Lordship of Christ. I trust that this was in, informative and again hopefully encouraging as well. God bless. Mm-hmm.